You're now listening to Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. When we think about the Christmas season, there's uh, so many things that you can think about. All your responsibilities, all the parties, all the people, all the decorations of your house, all the bills, all the gifts you have to buy, all this stuff. But there's still something about it that it's, it's for me, it's still the most wonderful time of the year. I still love Christmas, even though I'm old. Like, there's still something nice about Christmas. It's, it's a lovely time. And like we talked last week, people tend to be kinder around Christmas. And, uh, and I appreciate that so much. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about another theme of Advent that is also a fruit of the Spirit, and that is... Peace, peace. So we want to talk about peace today. Um, Put up for me Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll look at just a couple of verses as we get going. Um, It says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Is that the verse I said? That doesn't seem right to me. But anyway, okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Put this one up. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There was, if I gave you the wrong verse, it's mine. I wanted this. I wanted this verse here. No, I gave you the right verse. That was just me that gave you the wrong verse. All right, that's okay. You're going to get it anyway. You know, when Jesus is called, it's, 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 anyway, it's nine, and he's called the prince of, right. Okay, my mistake, but you'll, You'll find it, right? It's Isaiah. So peace is a theme in Christmas. And there are themes in this Christmas story that I think are really important for us to remember. And I, like I said, I wanted to connect some of the themes of Christmas to the fruits of the Spirit. So the arrival of Jesus brings kindness. We talked about that. It's, it's, it brings peace. It brings love. It brings joy. It brings all these things. And these things are fruits of the Spirit. They're natural byproducts that flow out of a believer's life, meaning the Holy Spirit is in us, He is with us, and so He is producing these things in us. And so we have the ability to grow stronger in the fruits of the Spirit. We, we talked about last week about kindness and uh, looking for opportunities. I called it the kindness challenge and Don't just do kindness light, meaning L-I-T-E, you know, like light, you know, but but to do something intentional out of the blue maybe or not uh, sort of, you know how you can be intentional and out of the blue at the same time? You ever seen that? Where you're just looking for ways to show kindness and then boom, out of the blue an opportunity arrives. So I, I should have actually called it, 
I was thinking this week, we should have called it the kindness campaign, right? You know a thing about, too about campaigns. Yeah, successful campaigns too. He, he's, he knows about those. Kindness campaign. Do something in the Advent season. And I, I, seriously, I want testimonies after New Year's about good things that we've done and good things that we've experienced because of our intentional, our, our intentionality to be kind. So today, we want to talk about peace. All of these qualities, love, joy, peace, all of these things we see in the Christmas story. And uh, when we talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, he's, he's a prince. And when you look up the word prince, you'll find, you'll find people talk about prince in different ways, but a prince is a person of authority, a person with authority. He's a commander, a captain. He's, he's obviously a leader. Peace is the word shalom. How many here have ever been to Israel? Okay, so, okay, so the next time we go, you all need to come with us, all right? We'll take a, we'll take a church tour, and we all got to go together, all right? So uh, I've been three times, and I'd love to go three more times, but... When you're there and you just walk in the shops, any, it's, pretty, it's pretty common. Their greeting is shalom. You walk into the convenience store, the door tinkles and the, you know, the bell above, and the guy looks at you and he goes, shalom. And you go, shalom. And off you go. What would you like? And it's this greeting, but it's, it's, a, it's a lovely word, peace is the word shalom, but it means a lot more, a lot more than just the absence of conflict. It, it means a ton of stuff. It, it, it means harmony. It means completion. It means fulfillment. It actually means health and wholeness as well. It's a very powerful, deep word. So when shalom is used as a greeting to somebody, you're you're actually, you're actually wishing something well on someone. You're saying, I wish for the absence of strife on the outside, and I wish for harmony and wholeness for you on the inside. Isn't that nice? That's a nice greeting. And so peace is something that God gave to us in Jesus. The world needed peace, the prince of peace, the one who will command peace everywhere he goes, the one who will actually bring peace to the world ultimately has arrived, right? He is here. When, and when we accept Jesus into our lives, we have peace with God both now and forevermore. And also, we can have peace within despite our circumstances. And this is the issue that most of us struggle with. A lot of us here know the Lord. You know that you can find peace with God, that your sins can be forgiven, that he can be your Savior and Lord, and you can find peace with God. So your, your status is at peace with God, but sometimes internally you don't have a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. That's what happens to us. But we can not only have peace with God, but we can have peace within. And I wanted to just talk about that. You'll see the notes uh, in the bulletin. Um, if you want to follow along. But peace with God is our relationship was broken when sin entered the world and only Jesus, the Savior, the Prince of Peace can restore it. Look at these verses, um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people 
when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Look at uh, jumping down to verse 17, Ephesians 2.17. It says, he brought this good news of what? Peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near him. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. One more, Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So Jesus is the one who makes peace between us and God. When he was born, the angels were shouting, right, and singing, glory to God in the highest and what? Peace on earth. Isn't it interesting that they use the word peace and peace, shalom on earth, that God's wish for you to be right, to be whole, to be complete, to be fulfilled, to be connected back to him, right? Peace on earth, our prince of peace has finally arrived in a dark world that was desperate for him to come. The greatest and most important peace, by the way, is not between nations It's not between people. It's not even between family members who you're having problems with. It's actually peace with God. If everybody found peace with God, we would have peace everywhere around the world. We we get this right, as we say, and a lot of this gets right, right? The vertical relationship gets right, and the horizontal ones get fixed too. That's what happens. It's this great gift that God has given us. And once, what, what once was broken by sin and impossible for us to fix, impossible for us to be restored, has, has been restored by Jesus. He said, remember one of the last things he said on the cross was, it is what? Finished. What's finished? His mission. His mission to bring peace, to be the bridge, to be the savior, to restore humanity back to God to be that shalom that he needed to be. You see, uh, we'll close our service today with communion, but when you do communion during the Advent season, it's kind of neat because Christmas is remembering the beginning of his mission and communion remembers the completion of his mission. And so you get it all in one shot and that's exactly what we'll do today. His sacrifice on the cross pays the debt we could never pay, and now we have peace with God. It's complete, it's whole, it is done, it is finished. Shalom is ours, it's yours today, if you would only accept it. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. See, the great hymn writer had it right. Peace with God, peace on earth, God and sinners reconciled. So we have peace with God. Next is the harder one, peace within. This is where I think a lot of us find ourselves, uh, even today. There was uh, an interesting thing that was going on when Jesus was brought into this world. Actually, about 27 or so years before Christ was born, Rome was experiencing something unique in their history. They called it uh, Pax Romana, and 
Uh, Pax Romana means the peace of Rome. And uh, so what that, what that really is indicating is that from the beginning of the rule of Augustine until about 180 AD, Rome had peace. Is that outside? Just keep preaching until it goes away. <laughs> All right. From, from about the, the, the rule of Augustine till about 180 AD, Rome was at peace with all of its um, neighbors. They had very little external conflict, and they called it Pax Romana, and it's a unique time in their history. But this, uh, this external peace actually didn't translate into internal peace for the people. There was a great amount of violence and darkness and fear throughout the Roman Empire. The emperors were being assassinated, plots were being uh, done, and, and people were being overthrown. Soldiers were being incredibly cruel to people. People were taking advantage of other people. There was, there was uh, uh, all kinds of nonsense going on. I'll tell you a hundred stories, but Rome was ruling with an iron fist. So they might not have had external conflict, but trust me, everybody in the Roman Empire was not feeling peace within. As a matter of fact, King Herod killing all of the male babies in Bethlehem. Remember that story? He was trying to get to Jesus and kill Jesus. And he killed all the male babies in Bethlehem. Is just one example of the many, of the extreme fear and the incredible uncertainty that people, that people had to deal with all the time. You just never knew if a soldier didn't like you, he, you looked at him the wrong way. There was no peace within, and people lived in fear and darkness. There may not have been a lot of war, but people had no peace. And this is what I was thinking about this week. We may not be experiencing war in our country right now that, we're, that we live with day to day but we don't have a lot of peace. Canada, we say, is great. We're a peaceful nation. We're living in peace. Then how come nobody has peace? Why? Why don't we have peace? The same is still true today. See, there was, there's four times in the Christmas story, four times, that fearful people were told not to be afraid. And being told not to be afraid is, if you hadn't noticed, a massive theme in the Bible. It happens again and again and again and again and again, right from the beginning, right to the end. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. It's said dozens and dozens of times. There was four instances in the Christmas story. The first one is Zechariah, and put up for me Luke chapter 1. It says this, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, 
standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You, uh, You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. This is a part of the Christmas story. See, Zachariah and Elizabeth were good people. They're now elderly past the stage where they should be having par- uh, where they where they could be parents, but the angel says, "Have no fear, you're going to be a dad. You're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John, and we know him as John John the Baptist. They give birth, uh, Elizabeth gives birth to John the Baptist, and John's part of the Christmas story. It's part of the Christmas story because Elizabeth is related to Mary, and also because John is the one who was called and assigned by God to prepare the people for the arrival of the Lord. And so, uh, by the way, another miraculous birth in the Bible is, is right here. Another one that shouldn't have happened, happened. And, uh, and so this is a part of the Christmas story. Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah is told not to be afraid. The next one is Mary, Luke chapter 1. It says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the lady we just talked about, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary gets pregnant about six months after Elizabeth. And they noted that in the Bible because they wanted you to see that. uh, Jesus is just like about six months younger than John. So you can understand here, again, Mary being confused, Mary being afraid, but uh, she's this young woman of faith. She's obviously a good woman. She's a teenager. She's young at the time. And she, instead of like freaking out and screaming and running away, she, she, she listens to the angel. She believes what the angel has said, and she didn't let her fear overrule her faith. And the angel again said to her, don't be afraid. The third one is Joseph in uh, Matthew. Put that one up for me. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So again, he's told not to be afraid, not to be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Like you could imagine, all right, just think about the fear for a moment, okay? You're a teenage girl, you're engaged to be married to a good man, and all of a sudden an angel appears and goes, oh, by the way, uh, you're going to get pregnant. I mean, just imagine what's going through her mind in the days after, like, oh no, how can I tell Joseph? What are people going to think? How's this going to be? This is going to be a disgraceful thing. He's going to break off with me. My marriage is over. My life is over. I'm going to be a single mother. A single mother in those days was death, right? She's incredibly afraid, but she gets over it. Joseph, again, is, a, is now, he's uh, startled and afraid, and who wouldn't be if an angel just, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, like walked into your bathroom and an angel was standing there, you'd probably be afraid too, you know. So he sees this angel and he's afraid, and he's contemplating all. He knows now that Mary's pregnant, and he doesn't know what to do. Should I break off with her? I think I should, you know. But he's a kind man. He wants to be kind to her, so he wants to do it quietly and not make a big scene and let, you know, and let everybody um, you know, uh, know all about it. He wants to, wants to help her as much as he can, but the angel says, listen, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What, what's happened to her is of God, and so you need to go ahead and do it. So there's three people that are told not to be afraid in this Christmas story, and the last is a group of people, the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, it says this, that night there's shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. You know, the story, let me just give you a, a little bit of insight. When we all go to Israel together, notice when I said when, when we all go, we'll shut down the church and we'll all go together, right? When we go to Israel together and when we're in Bethlehem, you'll see Bethlehem in the fields of Bethlehem, there are caves everywhere, natural caves. And so when we talk about there's no room in the inn and Mary and Joseph, you know, go out to some barn or stable. It, they, the, the chances of them finding a barn or stable were almost zero. Where, where Jesus was almost, almost for sure born was in a cave in Bethlehem. And so the shepherds are, are, are these are, uh, shepherds are unique guys. You know, you've heard they're blue collar, sort of redneck guys of the, of, of the day. They were unreliable, they, they weren't known as good people, they weren't even allowed to testify in court because nobody believed anything they said. That's true. Shepherds were, they, people looked at them like they were nuts. 
And isn't it amazing that the arrival of the great shepherd is announced to regular shepherds? It's really cool. But one thing that you need to understand and that sort of connects uh, to communion today is when Jesus was born in a cave, these caves were used by shepherds around Bethlehem. They were called birthing caves. And they, when a lamb was to be born, they would bring the, the sheep into the birthing cave and they, would, uh, and they would allow, obviously, the sheep to give birth in the birthing cave. And when the, all the lambs that were born in Bethlehem were all used for sacrifice in the temple. So they had to be perfect. They weren't allowed to be spotted or, or freckled or anything. They had to, they had to be a, a perfect uh, white. So in order for them to stay perfect, one of the things that they used to do was when a new lamb was born in the birthing cave, which, by the way, they kept incredibly clean because it was, they had to keep it ritually pure for lambs to be born in there. So this nonsense of Jesus being born in filth is probably not accurate either. So he's in a birthing cave. He gives birth. But one of the things they used to do to the lambs was as soon as the lamb was born, they would wrap it in cloth. And there was some kind of a technique that they did when if a lamb was wrapped in cloth right away, it would not, it would not uh, get spotted. It would not get uh, freckled in any way. It would stay pure. And so they would wrap it in cloth. And the cloth that they used was cloth that was uh, old sort of old garments from the priests. And when they were too, too, used to, too worn out to use, they would put them in the birthing caves and they would use them to wrap the lambs in to keep the lambs from getting spotted. So this is the cool thing. Jesus is, is, is he's, his birth is announced to the shepherds. He's born in a birthing cave where all the sacrificial lambs were born and he was wrapped in the cloth that the lambs were wrapped in. Isn't that neat? He is the great shepherd, and he is the sacrificial lamb. It's, it's true. And, this, and the shepherds are told, listen, don't be afraid. Go check it out. And so they immediately, they don't have that far to go. They go up over a couple of hills. It's really hilly and rocky there. And they found the cave that Mary and Joseph were in, and they walk in, and they find the great shepherd, the savior of the world that was born. They were afraid for a moment, but the angel told them not to be afraid. So Jesus comes so that we can, so that humanity, all of us, it says all of us, Jews and Gentiles, all of us can move from fear to peace on the inside. It's not just peace with God, Peace internally, peace within. See, people are so desperate for peace. We struggle to find it. Everybody wants it. People will try all kinds of things to get it. We think if we have more money, it'll do it. If we think we, ha- we can just get more friends, if we can look better, if we can have more stuff, if I have more things, maybe it'll give me the peace that I'm lacking on the inside. Pressure that is upon us nowadays, and the worries of life, they add up so quick, and all the world has to offer is temporary peace at best. People find stuff. We get, thrill, we get a thrill when we buy something new, and it doesn't take very long for the thrill to be gone. The thrill is gone, right? It's gone, right? A kid, that $50 toy, 
by the 27th, it's not so much fun anymore. Seriously. The thrill, it leaves us so fast, right? This satisfaction that we want all this stuff to bring into our lives, it's only temporary. Jesus said, the peace that I bring to you is something that the world can't give. It's something that is beyond your comprehension, beyond your understanding. It's something that's different, and it's something that lasts. Even when situations get difficult, his peace stays with us. Somebody said amen, right? John 14, verse 27, it says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That's internal peace. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He's saying that to you today and to me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, real peace, lasting peace, God's peace, it comes with the presence of the Prince of Peace. Jesus said it's a gift that he was leaving for us. It's yours. People won't find lasting peace with stuff. People try to medicate their anxiety away, and it won't work ultimately. We, will, we can't deal with our stress if we don't know the Prince of Peace. He's the one. He is the one. Jesus came to give it to us. Look at what Paul later said in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. In Romans chapter 8, he said this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba, Father. We have the confidence to know that we have peace with God. Isaiah said that, he, he, he said this about the, the suffering servant who was to come. He said he was pierced, right, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him so that by his wounds we are healed. Okay, so I, I found something this week that I'd never seen before. And when that happens, I get excited because Christmas comes around a lot. When you're preparing Christmas messages and you find something new, you go, yes. So I'm going to share it with you today. It comes from a man named Charles Schultz, who was very famous for the Charlie Brown cartoons. How many remember the, the one where he did the Christmas special and Linus walks out onto the stage and gives the story? Remember that? Do you know that was from 1965? 1965, and I just want you to know that was before I was born. Just letting, that, just letting you know, before I was born. Okay? So some of the quality may not be great on this clip that I want to show you, but I want you to see something 
that you've probably never seen before because I didn't never seen it either. When Linus walks out onto the stage, Charlie Brown says, who can tell me the meaning of Christmas? And he goes, I can, holding his blanket and sucking his thumb, right? He walks out onto the stage and he begins. And at about, it's about the 39 second mark, he says, fear not, okay? Watch when he says, fear not. This is what he does. He puts his hands up and he drops his blanket. He drops his blanket, his security blanket. Linus never drops his blanket. He drops his blanket. For a moment, he's feeling the anointing, the power, the truth of the risen king, you know. Drops his blanket. And then at the end, he picks up his blanket again. I just want you to see that, and then I want to talk about it. Show that clip for me. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Here it comes. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Boom. Now I, it's so obvious. I, I didn't, I've never noticed that before. And then the camera pans out. So you can see the blanket on the ground. And then he gives you the side view so you can see the blanket on the ground. I think Charles Schultz is trying to tell us something, right? Linus drops his blanket. He drops his blanket when he says, fear not. And he drops his blanket. And then he has this moment, right, where he feels this security, this strength, this confidence. And then he finishes, and he picks up his blanket again, walks over and sticks his thumb back in his mouth. How can you be that brilliant, right, and do all that? But it just reminded me when I saw it, we have moments, you have all had moments, I have had moments, when we have felt the peace of God, right? I mean, not just in a tranquil, beautiful setting when you're in Florida or on an island or on a cruise ship, you know, Ron and Shelley, you know, like... Like, I mean, I mean times when it's been hard, something's been difficult, and you've struggled, but yet you've felt the supernatural peace of God. You knew somehow, way in your heart, this was going to be all right. God was going to do something. You ever had that moment, right? A lot of us, right? And here's the thing, right? We feel it in the moment, but then we quickly lose it, and we go back into fear. We go back to our old security blanket. We go back to the things that, 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 that are somehow going to help us, 
you know, be okay, to give us that confidence again, because the moment that we had with God, it didn't stay, and we ran right back to the same old stuff again. If we get a bad doctor's report, we can have peace, and we cannot lose it. When our children or our spouse are heading down the wrong road, we can have peace and not lose it. When financial pressure comes, when problems at work begin to mount, we can maintain peace within. You may say, that's nuts, you're crazy. It sounds crazy. And you're right, it is crazy in the natural. But God's peace is not natural. It's supernatural. It's a gift that he gave to us. It is ours. It's greater than our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. How can we have peace within when all around seems to be falling apart? Because the Prince of Peace has come. Because he's given you and me an amazing supernatural gift. It's an unexplainable gift. And Listen, child of God, it's time to use it. It's time to claim it. It's time to receive it. It's time to live in it. It's time to not lose it. God's peace is yours today. It's true. We give it up so quick. A moment of freedom, only to walk away and grab our old security blanket again and leave the peace back there and leave it behind. We do it just like Linus. His peace comes into our lives when we submit to his commands and we trust his promises. He said over and over and over and over and over again, don't be afraid. The Christmas story, he said it to four key people. Don't be afraid, it's gonna be okay. He said at John 14, I'm giving you my peace so don't be afraid. He said that to you, to you, to you. He said it to you, he said it to me. Don't be afraid. You have my peace. I want you to, I'm going to give you, um, I, maybe this is helpful, maybe it's not, but this is one thing that I did. Um, while we were building this building, you could imagine that there might have been a moment or two of stress in my life. And there was days when, I would wake up and I was worried, I was, I was anxious, I, I was unclear, unsure that my confidence was waning. There was moments. And you know what I did in those moments? I tried to apply what I'm telling you today, that God's peace is mine and I'm not giving it up. I'm fighting for it. It's a gift he gave to me. He doesn't take back his gifts. I can sacrifice my gift and give it away, let the enemy steal it, but God doesn't take it away. When he gives me a gift, it's mine. And so I said, listen, I would wake up and you would say, okay, God, what's today? Today I got to do the right thing. Today, right, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I would go back again and again and again. I would go back to the time I was on Hoover Park and I felt the Holy Spirit say, that land is yours. And I would go back and I would relive that moment again. I would go back to the Chronicles verse. Put it up for me, actually, I I threw it in. I would go back to this verse. David continued, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord 
God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. You know, you've heard me say that verse. That was a verse that was given to us by God. And I kept going back to that verse again and again and again. But I don't feel that great. It's okay, but I feel anxious, pressure. Where's the money coming from? Where's the permits going? How can we do this? How will we get the zoning? How is it going to work? I can't do it. Lord, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm worried. I'm anxious. We're going to get out on a limb and never, we're not going to have the ability to come back. This is going to hurt us and not help us. And all the lies the enemy plants in your mind. It's lies, all of it. It's all lies. And I said, no, I refuse I refuse to give up my peace. He said, he said, this land is ours. He said, you do the work and don't be afraid. He said, I'll see to it that the work is finished correctly. You do your part and I'll do mine. Don't give up the peace that I gave you. The enemy wants to steal it, but I gave it to you. And I kept going back to that, back to that, back to that a lot maybe a lot more than you realize. It was powerful for me. Listen, don't give it up. It's your peace. It's your gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's in you. He wants to grow it in you. He wants to birth it in you. He wants to grow it in you. He wants you to have it. It is a natural byproduct that should be flowing out of a life that is filled with the Spirit. It is a fruit of his presence. When he is present, there is peace. And so I'm encouraging you today, as I encourage myself, look up some of these verses that I, that I even mentioned today. Look up John chapter 14, verse 27. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at another one I'm going to give you in a second and Second Thessalonians, and say, this gift is mine. This peace is mine. The Prince of Peace, it's supernatural peace. It's peace beyond my understanding. It is a gift of God, and no one can take it from me. I am his child, and he wants it for me. And so claim it. Hold on to it. Let it rule your life. Don't lose it. Don't have it for a moment, and then walk away and fall back to the same old stuff that you, you, you think was going to give you confidence, but never does. Only he can. To experience peace that is greater than your understanding is going to require uh, at least these three things. If you're going to experience this and you're going to keep it, it's going to require this. It's going to require humility. It's going to require faith. And it's going to require courage. You're going to say, see, real peace comes not just in the tranquil moments. You know it's God's peace when it's like all hell is breaking loose around you, but you still feel good on the inside, right? That's God's peace, right? That's God's peace when all seems lost, but somehow you still feel all right. Somehow God's working it out. This is his peace. And so the nearer you move to him, the, the closer you stay to him, the more you surrender to him. You give, you give up this thought that you're able. So this, this, the, there's this pride thing that gets in the way of experiencing his peace because you think you're tough enough to handle it and you're not. 
You know, so you have to be humble. Faith, you have to have it. You have to believe. And you have to have the courage to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to believe this. And I'm going to do this even in the face of my fear, even in the face of my anxiety and my worry. I'm going to do this. And so it's, it requires all of that. The Holy Spirit will grow this fruit in your life if you let him. And here's the neat thing. The more you have, the more you can share with others, right? You ever spent time with somebody who's really worried and anxious and stressed and you walk away feeling worried, anxious, and stressed? Somehow, unbeknownst to them, they passed it on to you. It's a gift you didn't want to receive. But if we can be people of peace because of the Prince of Peace, we become people who pass the peace, like we talked about a few weeks ago at communion, that we pass the peace of Christ on to others, the peace of Christ to you, right? It's something that is so important for us to have. It makes us unique. It makes us different. And that difference opens up opportunity to be a blessing to other people's lives. Um, let me read you this story, and then we've got to close. I found this story. Um, it was about King Edward VII uh, of, in, of England. It says, um, one day King Edward uh, and his queen were out walking uh, late in the afternoon, and she stumbled and sprained her ankle quite badly. In great pain and with difficulty, she was limping along, holding on to her husband uh, uh, for support. It started to get dark, and they were still a ways off from their home, and so they approached the home of a humble man, and the king knocked on the door, and the man said, who's there? And he said, it's Edward, the king. Please let me in. And he went, yeah, right. Enough of your pranks, whoever you are. Get lost. And the king says, I, he said, I wasn't accustomed to such language. And I didn't know what to do. And my wife couldn't go any further. So I knocked again. And the cottager inside yelled again, what do you want? And he said, I tell you, it's the king. It's Edward. Please let me in. And in anger, the man shouted, I will teach you how to disturb an honest man who's trying to get to sleep. And he threw open the door in disgust, only to see that it was indeed the king. And with profuse apologies, he invited the king and the queen in to his humble home. And he sent for help to come to pick them up and to help the queen. And years later, it says, when that man was too old to work, he loved sitting on his porch telling people about the day that the king knocked on his door. And he said, I always like to finish my story of, uh, of, of this experience by saying this to people. Can you imagine? I almost didn't let him in. Can you imagine? I almost didn't let him in. It reminded me of Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice 
and you open the door, I will come in. So if we want peace with God and peace within from God, you have to open the door. You have to let the Prince of Peace in. You've got to let him in. If you've never let him into your life, if you've never done that before, I encourage you to do it. You can do it today. Let him in. And believer, be encouraged today. If you've let him in, then he's in. If he's in, he's in. And you have welcomed him in. He is yours today. And all of the blessings of the Prince of Peace are yours. The gift is yours. It's been given to you. So please, unwrap it. Use it and don't lose it. It's important. Look at this last verse and then we're done today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. You've been listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, including service times, ministries, and other events happening, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. As always, you can subscribe and download our messages on your favorite podcatcher, including Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great week. God bless.